What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Rob Shaw, a.k.a. Bob Ball, a.k.a. Shaw's Law Podcast. Today, well, I'm going to just let y'all in on a little secret. Today is Tuesday, um, Tuesday the what? Tuesday the 8th. I recorded a podcast yesterday, Monday the 7th. Then my dumbass deleted it before I saved it, before I could upload it. It really broke my heart because it was a mailbag episode and I talked about uh, the playoff series and I'm going to re-record it right now. That's what you're about to listen to, but I couldn't re-record it last night because at that point I needed to just see the games. So we'll get an update games thing, but what I wanted to talk to you guys about before we get into all that is... I think every other Monday, I would like to do Mailbag Mondays. So I would like to record them Sunday nights so you have them first thing for your Monday morning commute, even if it's from your bed to the kitchen table because you're working from home. So every other Monday, I'd like to give you guys a mailbag episode. So I would take mailbag questions throughout the week. You can DM them to me at Shaw's Law Podcast. Um, those of you that have my personal number, reach out in a text. You can reach me on Facebook at Rob Boss Shaw. I hope that we can get this mailbag Monday thing going and consistently just give you guys 20 to 30 minutes of me answering your questions about the NBA, and when we get to the offseason, we can talk about goofy things. But the reason this pod even came up is because yesterday, I get a call from my man Adam. Boom. Yep. Rob, where's the pod? Streets need you. Say less, Adam. Y'all throw the bat signal in the air? The pod god is on the scene. And then the pod god proceeded to delete the pod. Not very pod godly, but it's Tuesday. I'm here to talk that talk. We can start with where we are in our updated playoff series. So, Monday, the Raptors got shellacked. It's 20 points, but if you watched, it felt like a 30 burger. For a long, long time. Jason Tatum... I'm sorry, not Jason Tatum. Jalen Brown bounced back from his pooper 2 of 11 from 3 game to shoot 3 of 7 from deep and have 27 points. And the Celtics kind of, like, rocked them wire to wire in this one. Three-point shooting was relatively even. The Raptors hit... 40 shot 43 pointers again for the fourth time in five games the fourth time exactly 43 pointers exactly this one uh, there's a big free throw uh, disparity um, about 27 minus 13 7 about 13 free throws or 14 but then the Celtics only missed three so 24 points at the line when the other team, they got 24 points and the Raptors only got 13 attempts. 
But this was just sort of one of those games where the Celtics had it. It looked like they were how they looked for two two games in 47 minutes and 59.5 seconds. It looked like they had the number of the Raptors. But, like, that's why sports are so fickle. Like, the... The Celtics were 0.5 seconds away from being up 3-0. And then OG Ananobi just lets his balls drop and buries a ginormous three-pointer. And that shows the Raptors, hey, we can beat the Celtics in this environment. And then they come out and get another win. And instead of being down 3-0, they have tied the series at 2-2. And then the Celtics push back and now it's 3-2 and I expect the Celtics to win this and I I even think they're going to win it in six but I was really impressed with the Raptors ability to get back into this series when essentially they should have been dead and in our other series Clippers Nuggets which was tied at 1-1 Kawhi Leonard's long finger, not the long arm of the law, just the long finger, blocks a Jamal Murray dunk attempt, and boom, we have we have like an instant moment that people are going to remember where they watched it at. Um, I don't know if there's been many others in this playoff. I feel like I'm missing one. Well, obviously, OG shot. And then I don't know if there's any other ones that... Like, stick out. Like, this is... That block is the moment of the playoff so far outside of OG's jumper. I don't think the Nuggets can actually beat the Clippers. I When the Clippers lose to me, I'm not making excuses for them, but it always feels like it's their fault. Like, they didn't go hard enough. They didn't bring it. I rarely feel like a team straight up has outplayed them in the bubble. Like, it's, damn, y'all didn't bring it again, or you guys just don't care. Like, Kawhi has a championship, but the rest of the whole team plays like it has an off-on switch. A, yo, we've been here before. When it's time to go, we know what to do. Y'all don't. You haven't proved that. You guys have not proved that. Um... I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about Paul George going 12 of 18 and 5 of 7 from 3 for 32 points because I've been very, very vocal about killing Paul George for sucking it up during the playoffs. So I am not against admitting that he can play a good game. Actually, in the Playgrounder podcast I did with Zach Wilson, I said I think the reason the... Nuggets are the better matchup for the Clippers are it should be high scoring and fast pace and give Paul George a chance to get loose, like get into a rhythm and be the player that the Clippers need him to be in order to win. So that's my thoughts on those two games. Rockets, Lakers, well, let's go Bucks heat. Nobody's coming back from 3-0. Um, I think it says some things about Bud that Chris Middleton was able to get going so much easier without Giannis. 
I just think that Bud hasn't found a way to optimize other players around Giannis. Other players who need the, who can do things with the ball. Like they don't have a lot of guys with any kind of wiggle. And then your second best guy hasn't been able to get going. You as the coach need to find ways to get that guy going. Um, Maybe it's more pin downs or you go to him in the pinch post. Just get him touches and try and get him flowing. Like Giannis, for the most part, is going to get his. So now you need somebody else to get off. Pause, if that's plausible. But they're not coming back from 3-0. And that just doesn't happen. But they're not going to come back from 3-0. But I guess I need to say this. There was a time where nobody came back from 3-1 until the Cavs did it against the Warriors. And then just last series, we saw it happen again where the Nuggets came back from 3-1 against the Jazz. And I say all that to say the Bucks are dead. As far as Lakers Rockets, have you seen the way the Lakers are guarding Russ? Wild disrespectful. This dude has a league MVP. Y'all are disrespecting cuz, but he's not killing you for it. So since he's not killing you for it and you're just giving him 30, 50 million feet of room to shoot, Mike D'Antoni needs to make an adjustment and... To me, that adjustment is to put Russ on the ball, and I thought it was something they should have done more in the regular season. Once they acquired Russ, I thought that they should put Russ on the ball because of his limitations as a spot-up shooter, and right now, his limitations are hurting them. So you put Russ on the ball, and defenses have to guard Harden in a way that they don't have to guard Russ so Harden, in the, you let Russ break down his man, get into the paint, get you a paint touch, and he kicks it to those four shooters, and Harden's one of them. There's no guy, if, if you guard Harden the way you're guarding Russ, he's going to knock down those catch-and-shoot threes. And if, you don't guard, and if you do have your guy glued to Harden, then Russ has one initial defender to beat because the help is helping off of a shooter. Right now, Harden's getting into the paint and the help isn't coming off of, the help isn't going to Westbrook. Like, they're not even closing. They're just staying there, daring Harden to make the swing pass to Russ and Russ make the shot. But also, the mid-range isn't bad. I understand, like, analytically, you don't want everybody shooting mid-range jumpers, but for a superstar player who creates off the bounce a lot, the mid-range is where superstars live. Like, superstars are allowed to live in that range because certain superstars have more liberty to take shots. Do you want your role players taking a lot of mid-range jumpers? No, because you want to optimize their shooting. Like, if he's going to... If P.J. Tucker's going to take eight shots a game, optimize them. Make them all threes. James Harden shouldn't play like that because he's going to shoot so many shots. If he's going to shoot 30 shots, he becomes predictable if he's, I'm only shooting a three or I'm only going all the way to the rim. Mix in a short pull-up jumper. It was part of your game in OKC. Like, it was, 
he spent a summer working on the Paul Pierce 15-foot jump shot. He spent a summer watching Pierce and Manu specifically. And then he got with D'Antoni and completely ruled out the mid-range game. And I think it's something he should go to more frequently. So that uh, those are our playoff games. Let's get into some mailbag. I got a fair amount of questions, and I love you guys for that. Like, I can't tell you how much that means to me. I'm not going to answer everything. I'll keep some in the tuck for our next mailbag. Um, so this one comes from... I want to say this is from Riley. Uh, big shouts to Riley Mack. What happens to the Bucks this summer and Giannis if they lose this series? Bud got to go. Get him gone. Show him the door. He's playing these dudes 35 minutes in must-win games. You have the defensive player of the year as well as the reigning MVP who's probably going to be a two-time MVP. And you can't get something to 40 minutes in a must-win game? Man, show Bud the exit. This ain't the regular season. Mix it up, my man. He's got to go. I don't think the Bucks can do anything too drastic. Like, if they make a crazy move and it doesn't work out, I assume Giannis just skates next summer. Like, he's out of here. So, I don't, like, I think it's just a coaching move for them. And, like, you inquire about, hey, can we get Chris Paul in here? Because he seems like he'd be an amazing fit. But you have to see what you have to give. But I would fire Bud and call about CP3. But I don't know what OKC's thinking. Like, they might really like what he did for that young core. Um, What do the Rockets need to do to win this series? I kind of just answered that when I talked Rockets-Lakers. Put Russ on the ball and let Harden attack closeouts and let's mix it up. Like, I understand you guys want... The Rockets can't only play to the math. At some point, play basketball. And the mid-range shot is part of basketball. This is hoops. This This isn't a geometry problem. Like, play fucking basketball. What would I do as the GM or president of the Knicks to make them a contender in the next three years? Like, I should probably save this for an off-season pod, but now that I read it, let's just get to it. Whoever the Knicks draft with the seventh pick, I need that player, RJ Barrett and Mitchell Robinson, to play 38-plus minutes a game. And as I'm saying that, I just remember that Tibbs is the new Knicks coach, so I should not have to worry about that. Like, I know he loves veterans, but play the young guys. Let RJ, it, even Kevin Knox, like, let those guys play through mistakes and learn. And then in three years, you can see what you have with them. I think RJ can still be really good. I think as long as Mitchell Robinson doesn't do all that goofy stuff he's doing on Instagram where he's... Tween, tween, through the legs, double behind the back, pull up three. Like, as long as he's not on that goofball stuff, I think he can be a real player in this league. I don't know about Kevin Knox. I might have lost hope on Knox. But just let these guys play through their mistakes, including this new draft pick, and trust that 
you're going to be the coach when they turn it around. In two years, if these guys have developed, it's still New York. It's still a free agent destination. But winning matters now. So they need you need to start winning, and then you can use the power and the draw of New York. You just watched Brooklyn grab two top 15 players. So it's not like New York has failed as a market. The Knicks have failed as a franchise. What happens to the Sixers and their roster in the offseason? They fired Brett Brown. So if I'm the new coach who comes in, I immediately tell Elton Brand, look, you can move everybody but Embiid and Simmons. Give me a chance to put in my offense and work with them. Because I don't think you're going to get comparable talent back if you trade one of them. So I don't want to do that as a new coach. Like, leave me my two best players. If we can get off this Al Horford contract, if we can get off this Tobias Harris contract, let's do it. But leave those two alone. And their priority should be to find a guy who can create off the dribble for himself and others. That's what they're missing. That's what they thought they were getting in Markel Fultz. I would pay a lot of American U.S. dollars to find out what truly happened to Markel Fultz's shooting form because it was really, really nice at UW. And then it was nice in Summer League. You remember, Katie. Oh, not many people got the Hezzy Jimbo pull-up. Yeah, not one less person because now Fultz, doesn't even have that. He lost his Hezzy Jimbo pull-up somewhere. And I would pay good, hard-earned money to find out where and how in a 30 for 30 produced by me. Who's the best coach left in the playoffs? Spo. He's doing the most with the least. Jimmy Butler is the worst best player left in the playoffs. I'm going to say that again because it's a little wordy, but it makes sense. Jimmy Butler is the worst number one on any playoff team remaining. Yet Spo has turned guys like Bam and Hero and Duncan Robinson and Revive Goran Dragic. And they are about to knock out the number one seed in the league in five games. So I'm just... So impressed with what Spo has done. He really, he's built a wall, and but he's gotten offense out of a team that when you look at them, you wonder, hmm, where's all the scoring going to come from? And he's even done it with one of his offensive weapons being a dud. Like, I haven't been impressed with Kendrick Nunn's play within the bubble. So, to me, the best coach in the play, left in the playoffs is Spo. What matchups do I want to see and what will bring the best ratings? So the best ratings is simple. Celtics-Lakers. Like, you just can't beat that as a basketball fan. You can't beat Celtics-Lakers. They're two storied franchises and the potential for them to play to play seven games on a neutral court in a time where we were starved for sports for a few months is amazing. 
what matchups do I want to see? I'm waiting for Lakers Clippers in next round because that's what we've been waiting for since the beginning of the season. Like since Kawhi decided to go to the other LA team instead of joining AD and LeBron in on the Lakers, we've been waiting for that. So that's the matchup I can't wait to see next round. Or that's the matchup I would most want to see next round. And then, I don't know if I want Celtics Heat, but I think that's what we're going to get. And I feel really strongly that this Celtics team is going to go to the finals. They haven't knocked off the defending champs Raptors yet, but I felt like that for a while, that this may be the best team in the East. And what has to happen for the Bucks to come back from a 3-0 deficit? I just don't think it's going to happen. I touched on that earlier. So those are the mailbag questions we're going to answer today. I should be back to you guys, not this coming Monday, but the next Monday with more mailbags. Send them in because I'd like to try and record on Sunday nights. I really appreciate those of you that reached out saying, hey, we want more content. That means the world to me. So I'm trying to give more content. You can find um, some of my writing at theplaygrounder.com. I also will be hosting a Playgrounder podcast. It'll be my own personal pod on the Playgrounder. It's the NBA trade pod hosted by Rob Shaw. The premise is... I will have a guest on. The guest will set, will come in and they will have a trade that they think should be that works and they have to sell me on it and I will yay or nay the trade. If I like the trade, I'll say, well, this is why it works for both teams and me and the guest can discuss that. If I think the trade is garbage, I'm be like, now why would team X do this? And I'll explain why it is horrendous. And then also on the NBA trade pod by the playgrounder you will also be able to email me or message me your own trade that i'll read on the pod with the guest and we will decide whether your trade is viable so the teaser for that should be out in about a week or so and then i'm going to need you guys to subscribe on all platforms i'm thinking of changing where i host this podcast so if i get a New one, I just need you guys to subscribe there, but I'll shoot a tweet at Shaw's Law Podcast. Also, you can follow at Shaw's Law Podcast on Instagram. Don't forget to follow the YouTube page at Shaw's Law Podcast and follow everything Playgrounder because they've been great to me and they're making amazing content and I'm part of the team over there. So follow at the Playgrounder on Twitter, at Playgrounder on Instagram. And I'm also largely involved in the Playgrounders YouTube page, so make sure you follow that. Thank you for your love and support. These monologue pods can be difficult, but you guys reaching out and telling me, yo, we want more is so motivating. So I can't tell you guys thank you enough. Peace.